Okay. Welcome to the Gay Men Going Deeper podcast, a podcast by the Gay Men's Brotherhood, where we talk about everything personal development, mental health, and sexuality. I am your host today, Matt Lancedale, and we are joined by Court Vox. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to have you here. Um, so before we do formal introduction of Court, um, I just want to make everybody aware that we have our, the doors of our membership, the Game and Going Deeper membership are going to be opening in one week from now. So be sure to get yourself on the wait list for that membership. And the wait list link is in the show notes. So Court, Court is um, graciously come today to join us to talk about sexual consent, which we are very excited to um, acquire your wisdom. So uh, I want to share with everybody a little bit about Court and what he does and the offerings he brings into this world. So Court is a sex and intimacy consultant, a surrogate partner intern, and sacred intimate. He is a member of the World Association of Sex Coaches and founder of The Body Vox. He is a guide for a vast spectrum of individuals and those in relationships seeking more in their erotic and intimate lives. When it comes to human connection and sexuality, some are beginning their journey while others have been pursuing erotic education and experiences for years. Court works gently with first timers as well as offers uncommon experiences to some of the world's most well-known sex educators who seek him out when they are wanting a professional to work with. Court has become known for offering private, highly customized, exclusive experiences and travels extensively hosting and teaching workshops for all bodies, genders and orientations. Court is also part of an elite team of sex educators that create the celebrated program for women back to the body, which runs, which retreats across the globe. A lot of great things you're doing there, Court. Wow, who is that? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, it's, always, it's always funny to hear that back. I know, whenever I'm on podcast too, it's the same thing. It's always a little bit weird, like hearing all these things. It's like, yeah. Yes, yeah. I, I am. I guess I am doing those things, yeah. Yeah. It's nice to be reminded. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So today we're going to be talking about sexual consent. So this conversation doesn't happen enough in the in the gay community, in my opinion. Um, we need to be having more conversations around this, and um, I wanted to bring conversations. So we have some some questions that we're going to be unpacking today. Um, so obviously, what is consent? We're going to unpack implied consent versus actual consent. Why do many gay men struggle with consent? How does the hypersexualized culture of the gay community impact consent? How are gay men influenced by the heteronormative culture around consent? How do drugs and alcohol influence consent? And then how to properly ask for and give consent, I think is important for us to share with, uh, with the listeners and how to create a culture of consent in the gay community. I realize that's a lot to unpack in an yeah, hour. <laughs> no, no I, pressure. I <laughs> so um, yeah I, I think um it is a lot to unpack but i think we can do we can put a dent into some of those things in in an hour and um really help the listeners understand truly how consent can enrich our lives enrich our relationships and really enrich the gay community i think is what what we're getting at here so so i, th I think i want to start with by saying that um 
you know, we're in we're in a time right now where consent is like the topic of du jour, not just in in queer and gay spaces, but also in, in straight communities. And I think you know, it's there's been so many um, infractions, right, on consent lately, and people have just been raising their hand and being like, I did not consent to that, or I was taken advantage of. The power dynamic was in play, and I think um, you know that's gonna be going on for a while um, because it hasn't really been part of our lexicon for that mm -hmm. long. Um, and I think a lot of people are, are in this mindset that consent is not sexy. Um, mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways, the way that, that people think about it, it's not, right? Um, and I do think there are ways to make it sexy. And as we get more comfortable with talking about it and we get more comfortable with um, how we speak about it and how we ask for things and how we ask people for their consent, mm -hmm. it starts to become a little bit more natural. It's kind of like, um, I talk a lot about sexy talk, right? And how to include, you know, um, erotic uh, lexicon in, in your own language with people. Mm -hmm. And it feels kind of scratchy in the beginning, like, oh, this is not how I would normally speak. Mm -hmm. um, and kind of like, figuring out ways to where it sounds like you, where it feels like something you would say, um, and it becomes more natural the more you get into it. So um, I think that's important to know. Yeah, and I like that. It's like setting setting boundaries. I do a lot of work with clients in that realm and it's no different, right? You're teaching somebody how to treat you, treat your body. Right. And uh, we need to learn the language that works for us. And um, and I do agree with you. I think that the more that my sexual self maturates, the more I realize how sexy consent is because I'm teaching somebody how to show up for me so I can have a positive experience with them. Right. right. It's critical. It's critical. Yeah. Um, so, so just, to, just to talk a little bit about implied consent, what, what is consent? You know, someone agrees to a proposal or a desire or a desire or request, you know, may I touch you? Um, will you touch me? Mm. Um, there's also this question, how would you like to be touched? Right. Um, I think many people have not been asked that question. How would you like to be touched? Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of times people are like, I don't know. Yeah. And for the person asking that question, you could stop there uh, or you can make it a game, right? Do you like, well, can we do a little discovery, right? Can we discover how you'd like to be touched? Mm -hmm. And the person has the option of saying yes or no. This becomes a game of consent, right? And you start to gamify this and you know, it becomes, do you like your neck kissed lightly? And you do that. Mm -hmm. Do you like it when I bite your neck? Mm, no, not so much. You, you keep going like that. And this becomes like a little bit of a game. This is a way to make consent sexy, in my opinion. Um, you know, when we talk about implied consent versus actual consent, implied consent can be something that feels like an energy, right? Um, it's inferred by someone's actions or their body language. It can be sounds that they're making or movement. Um, could be uh, facial expressions or eye movements, right? Yeah. I think, um, you know, that can be a little bit dangerous these days mm -hmm. because, because we have gone um, this other direction of, of like, you know, well, I might have, you know, given you eyes and I might have done that, but I, you know, I didn't necessarily want you to, to grab my ass. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's accurate. Like, you, they were calling me over to, to have a conversation, to be in a dialogue, but you took it to the next level right away. Um, mm -hmm. You know, actual consent, um, I'm sorry, 
yeah, actual consent would be more of the what we talked before, like may I touch you? Will you touch me? It's more of that um, direct direct languaging. I think yeah. there's also something that's happening um, that I really love. It's happening in in gay and queer spaces, mostly queer spaces, if I'm being honest, um, is unanimous consent, which is a you know a group agrees to a set of boundaries, laws, or rules um, prior to entering this specific space or container. Um, you know, I'm going to give examples of like somatic sex education. There's a list of agreements that I have with my clients before we even begin anything, um, just so that we're on the same page. Um, if you look at like a studs and mares party, um, are you familiar with those? No. Uh, a sex party in which you know the the studs are the the tops and the mares are the bottoms, and there's very implicit rules that everyone agrees to before they enter this space. And if you don't want to agree to them, it's fine. You don't have to be there. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like a a, a a unanimous consent. Everyone's agreeing to the rules, and so that's what it is. Um, and you can always excuse yourself from it. Um, yeah. So. I'm also seeing that in parties here in Los Angeles, for example, um, where you know the club promoters promoters are writing in the emails, this is a queer space. You know, you know, um, this type of behavior is not permitted here. It's not acceptable. You will be asked to leave, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, consent is sexy. I'm starting to see that more and more. So I think um, that is really important too, specifically in, in gay and queer communities. Yeah. Yeah. So much there to, you just stimulated so much in me, but actually you reminded me of um, when I very first came across you was on, on Tinder when I was in Chiang Mai, I was living in Chiang Mai and you were actually visiting Chiang Mai at the time and we had connected. Um, and I, I, and the reason why that brought it up is because I went to something called a, a conscious cuddle party in Chiang Mai. The conscious community there is like flourishing in Chiang Mai. And um, it was my very first time going to something like this. And it was, it was co-ed. Um, and I was extremely anxious because I'm not the kind of person to just share my body with somebody. I'm like way more kind of reserved with my body. Mm -hmm. So I did agree to go to go to this. And it was really cool because the way they set it up was all built, in, built around consent. So they made us play this game um, when we, for the first hour, and basically it was getting connected to what your needs are and, and, and practicing um, consent. So they made us play this game where we actually, um, we would sit across from somebody and they would, they would ask us if they could do something to our body and we would have to say yes. And then we did a round of, of yeses, and then we did a round of no's, and we did a round of maybes. Mm -hmm. And every time you would you would make a request, and or some somebody would make a request of me, and I would have to say yes, but my body didn't want it. I was able to really root into that discernment within me, the discrepancy between my mind and body, right. and and that I think for me is really what consent is. It's it's really about getting clear about bringing the mind and body in harmony because I know for me I've had many sexual experiences where my mind was telling me to proceed but my body was actually giving me signs that it didn't want to proceed. Mm -hmm. So consent for me has been about slowing down the process and getting yeah. clear about what the, it is that the body wants because the mind the mind is is part of sexual engagement but it's it's a smaller piece than because the, the body is the one that's actually going through the spiritual experience of of um of intimacy right 
I think what, you, what you're, well, first of all, I want to back up. The exercise that you're talking about is actually something that I use with clients. Um, it originated with Masters and Johnson's, which um, they are the founders of, of surrogacy. Um, okay. And it's also been used in cuddle parties um, and also from Betty Martin, who does Wheel of Consent workshops, which is all about consent. Um, so just to give like a little bit of um, history around that, that cool. okay. of, um, of, uh, workshop that you were doing. The other thing that you named, I think that's something that I've been talking a lot about recently, and it comes up a lot in my work, is um, incongruency of desire, mm. which is... I want this. I want to have a five-person gangbang orgy, right? <laughs> and then, you know, it's happening and you're like, ooh, my body is just not ready for this. Yeah. Or yeah. I want to be, I want to be dominated in this, you know, super dom sub scene. And then you're like in the present moment and you're like, this is scary. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I want to get out of here. This is, you know, I actually my body is wanting sensual touch and yeah. And, you know, kind words, you know, not degrading or whatever it is, hmm. you know, and so there is, I, and a, a lot of it has to do with porn, right? We're watching all this porn and we have this idea of what, what we want and what we want our sex life to be. And so many people are, are, are watching more and, and doing less. And so when they are getting into physical space with partners and requesting these types of, of sex play, their body's not ready for it. And so there's this incongruency in the desire and what your body, your somatic body is actually asking and wanting. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the first thing that came up when you said unanimous consent. I'm like, cause I could see like, I'm, I'm very dual. <laughs> I could see in one moment, me signing up for a party and being like, yeah, let's do this when I'm in this like really like liberal, liberal vibe. And then all of a sudden I arrive to this party and I'm not feeling connected in the way that I need to be. So it's like, yeah. How do we navigate that when we sign up for something, we make an agreement with somebody or a group of people, and then we're in the moment and our body is giving us the opposite. Yeah, I, I think, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the part where um, autonomy is really important, right? Autonomy is really important in that space because if, if you're not aware of what your needs are and you're pushing forward and, you know, the agreement has been made from everyone, but you're not comfortable you know, it becomes your fault, right? Mm -hmm. You have, you have, um, you have superseded your own consent values. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's when we get into like sex regret and things like that. And, and people start blaming um, others for things that have happened to them when in actuality, it's, they don't know their own body, they don't know their own limits, mm -hmm. they don't know their no, and they don't know their yes. And so yeah. it, you know, that's also a topic of, of conversation right now is like, um, you know, at some point you also have responsibility for yourself and your own body yeah. um, and specifically in containers that have these um, unanimous agreements, you know, you have the right to leave. You have the mm -hmm. right to say, uh, this doesn't work for me. I'm going to go. Yeah. Um, so I think that's also important when we're talking about consent. Yeah. And it just made me realize um, uh, about how to understand desire, because I, I'll share a little bit of, of, of a personal experience. So um, being a, an empath is really affected this area for me, because I spent most of my most of my time being in other people's experiences, right? I feel other people's feelings. I'm turned on by other people being turned on. 
So when I'm in these sexual experiences with, with people, I've had to learn how to pull back my energy and how to really root in and understand my needs and my desires. But I'm still learning this actually. Like I'll sometimes be in a sexual experience and I'll be confused as to what I want because I'm too in their field and, and navigating what they want. And then I lose sen my, my sense of self and, and my desires and my needs. Um, I think a lot of people will relate to that, but I also think some people just don't really know what their desires and what their needs are. So how do we help people um, or how can people start to develop that, that part of themselves? I mean, that's a, that's a really huge part of my work with okay. clients is yeah. discovering what it is they like, you know, and a lot of times people just don't know and they don't know what they don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. They're like, what, what's on the menu? What's available? <laughs> I don't even know what's available. Right. Yeah. It's like um, going to the grocery store and knowing that there, I just wrote a piece on um, uh, there's 5,000 cereals on the market, right? Yeah, I read that. It's like yeah. going to the grocery store and knowing that there's 5,000 cereals available, but not knowing anything about the cereals or yeah. the ingredients or what's inside. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes you need somebody to go, okay, these are the choices, you know, We'll start with three choices. Mm -hmm. We're not going to go with 5,000 right yeah. out the gate. Too many, yeah. right? So let's start with three. Which one of these would you like to go on a journey around? Um, and from that, we garner information and then mm -hmm. we move forward. Um, but I think what you're naming is, you know, finding pleasure in other people's pleasure, which is so common because it's easier. Mm -hmm. It's easier to put focus on other people because it actually takes a lot of work to go inside and go, this is what I want. What is it that I want? You know, there's a lot of self-reflection that happens there. Um, and there is, it also involves asking a partner, I would like to try this. And there's such vulnerability in that. Yeah. Right. Um, and oftentimes, you know, as gay men, we're having these one-off hookups. And do you want to ask this like stranger that you just met, you know, if they want to try spanking you for the first time, <laughs> like, like super edgy, right? yeah, <laughs> super edgy. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, um, I'm such a proponent for having fuck buddies who are like safe, safe enough containers. You know, and you know, if you're not wanting a partner but you're wanting somebody to explore with, to be like, hey, I really want to explore stuff, and like, would you would you be open to that? Like, yeah. I'm looking for something a little more regular. I want to push my boundaries a little bit. Would you be open to that? I, I, I love that concept and that idea. Um, and it's a really great place to like bounce ideas off of each other. Um, it's a safe enough, you know, creating that container of like, I'm going to bring you some shit that's edgy for me. Like, mm -hmm. are you able to hold that? Yeah. You know, um, that's, a, that's a beautiful relationship that you can have with somebody. I want that. <laughs> I want more of that in my life. And yeah. I think, I think the, uh, the biggest barrier for myself, and I'll speak for myself, but I, I think I speak for a lot of people in saying this is a fear of rejection, right? Yeah. That, that edginess and that vulnerability and putting ourselves out there. And I think that's for me is as I'm maturing and as I'm getting more clear about who I am, I feel more confident to ask for consent or mm -hmm. to have people ask for consent uh, because I don't fear rejection as much. But I think this is a very, very core fear for a lot of gay men because we grew up feeling rejected and we have a lot of shame. A lot of people have a lot of unresolved shame. And that is one of the biggest inhibitors to speaking our truth is shame. So 
um, do you have any maybe advice around that or, you know, helping people move through fear of rejection and, you know, it's always going to be there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I consider myself a really evolved person in this area and, you know, my partner and I are going to Europe, um, tomorrow and, you know, there's a fantasy that I want to live out while we're there. And I, I told him, you know, and it felt like really edgy in my body. I was like, you know, tightness in my chest and my throat was clammy and, you know, feeling all the feels. And I said it and he was like, yes, I'll do that for you. And, you know, it was just, it was not just the asking, but also the receiving the yes that was like, oh crap, now we got to, now we're going to do this. Right. So there's like a lot of edge there. And, you know, even as you evolve and you grow into something deeper, something more of your sexual self, your erotic self, the ceiling keeps getting pushed, mm-hmm. right? So for me, my pleasure ceiling is, is maybe higher than someone else's, but we're, we're still going through the same things. Like yeah. I still have that, that fear of rejection, but you know what? The difference between me and maybe someone else is that I do it anyway. Mm-hmm. I know it's there. I know what the feeling is and I'm willing to be rejected. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to receive a no and I'm you know, willing to step in anyway. And I think that's, that's, a, that's a key takeaway is knowing that there's scratchiness that there, that yeah. there's an edge. And that's partly why it's so exciting, right? Yeah. If, if there was no edge there, it would be no big deal. Um, so it's it's knowing where your edges are and pushing through anyway in in a way that feels safe enough mm-hmm. and and i want to just put a circle around safe enough right mm-hmm. you're never going to be fully safe Sorry. yeah safe enough is like where you feel you know safe enough to show yourself to speak your your truth and let it be what it what it is but you're never going to feel 100 percent safe yeah. And if you feel 100% safe, it's not going to be that exciting. True. Yeah, you're, stay, you're staying too much in your comfort zone. Yeah. I think I, I want to speak to the comment that you made about gay men and just having one-off hookups. Because I think, you know, <clears throat> slowing down is where we can start to find safety and trust and these containers where we can play with our edge and we can practice vulnerability because... Um, you know, I'm, I'm learning that about myself as, as I slow things down with, with people, I'm able to build containers that can hold, um, me being able to fulfill my desires, um, me being able to speak my truth, me being able to practice, um, stepping into roles, um, that I maybe otherwise wouldn't in a one-off hookup. So I do, I do think that it's really important to slow it down. And h- how much do you do work in the area with clients um, in teaching them how to slow down? And do you have any tips around how you can teach people to slow down? I mean, slowness is, is a big part of my work. I also want, want to just note that one-off hookups are perfectly fine. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm just, I, I, you know, there's all kinds of, of sex and, and avenues for erotic life and sexuality. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd like to, to look at them as like, um, a buffet of choices or an array of flavors. Yeah. And, you know, if I'm looking at what I love and it, about my eroticism is that it's like 101 different flavors. I am all the fucking crayons in the crayon box mm-hmm. and I have all those <laughs> to choose from. 
I'm not just choosing that vanilla every day. Yeah. And slowness for me can be really hot. And, you know, a 30 minute passionate fuck can also be really hot. Yeah. So I just want to name that. Um, yeah. I also think there is the possibility for intimacy with strangers. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I want to squash that notion. Like you yeah. can have an intimate experience with someone that you don't know. Yeah. And you never see again. Yeah. It's just, it is what is. Um, I got off on a tangent. I forgot what your question was. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, oh um, slowness. slowing down, slowing down, bonus. managing pace. Yeah. Yeah, managing pace. I think it has to, you know, if you're in the position of leadership, right? Oftentimes, if someone is kissing me and it's like, you know, they're gnawing my face off, I will say, I'll put my hand on their chest and say, slow. Yeah. yeah. Slow. You know, until they get to a pace that feels comfortable for me, mm-hmm. right? I'm comfortable being in that leadership position. You know, there's other people that they're not so comfortable in there. So, you know, I would say, try that on. Try stepping in in more to a leadership position um, because you're more apt to get what you want (laughs) in that position. Um, Breath is also really important. You know, noticing your breath of like, oh, I'm hyperventilating right now. And you might even name it to the partner that you're with. Mm -hmm. I'm really nervous right now. Like you're so hot. I'm <laughs> like overwhelmed. Like yeah. I, I, I need to take a breath. Will you take a breath with me? Yeah. You know, sometimes taking three breaths together um, is a great way to like bring things down a little bit. Um, and it's also a really great way to connect with someone. There's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of different breath patterns you can do with a partner that are incredibly connecting and and also super hot which I won't get into, mm-hmm. um, but just simply breathing together three times you know, and allowing your bodies to fall into each other is a great way to like slow things down. Yeah. And I think that's a, well, one of the biggest things um, that I, that I have experienced is um, differences in paces and how the nervous systems are showing up into an experience can, on different pages and breathing together, talking together, spending time together and letting those nervous systems harmonize, I think has really helped me enrich my experiences with people. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, you know, sometimes some things that I discover with clients is that, you know, and this is just like, like a noticing back to them. It's like, you need more time like you're saying to me, you need time to sit and talk with someone and get to know them to let your nervous system settle. Mm-hmm. I'm the type of person I can walk into a room and just do it. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that's come from like years of practice mm-hmm. and noticing that that's something that you need. Name that. Yeah. Hey, I really am excited to see you. And, you know, I need, I need to like sit with you and like feel you out. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to like, maybe like do a foot rub on the couch for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how does that feel for you? Yeah. You know, are you good with that? Yeah. You know, it's either a yes or a no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it's an important noticing about yourself that that's something that is, is necessary for you to like get into that space. You mentioned nervous system. You know, the interesting thing about the nervous system in arousal is that there has to be just enough um, relaxation in the nervous system and just enough excitement for, for arousal to happen, which is such an interesting thing, (laughs) right? So it's like being relaxed enough and also excited. That's the recipe for arousal. 
It's, it's tough. It's tough. I'm navigating a transformation of moving from being probably more hypersexual and more um, like I was able to walk into a room and have sex, whatever, my whole life. And then in the last two years, I've morphed into a demisexual. I've done a lot of deep inner work and kind of moved towards getting to a place where I have more emotional capacity mm -hmm. to show up and, and, and be truly in practice intimacy in, in deeper ways than I had in the past. And um, it's, it's a delicate delicate transformation because I'm learning how to do that. And it's still challenging for me to allow myself to be aroused enough, but also allow myself to stay present enough with within my own experience that, you know, so yeah. It's... I, I think, you know, you are one of many gay men and queer men in this moment who really is looking for something different, right? Mm. Um, you know, I get asked a lot of times from my clients, like, where are all the conscious men? And it's mm. like, they are there, mm -hmm. you know? And sometimes it's the same men that are hanging out at the bar or the circuit party, you know? And, you know, one of my intentions for starting this business, uh, the Body Vox, was really to create um, a different space for, mm. for gay and queer men, um, not an alternative, right? Yeah. I, I wasn't like, I'm not trying to take away clubs or bars and, and those spaces that are so rooted and, you know, have become safe havens for a lot of gay men. Yeah. Um, but I would like to create something else where it's like, you know, those same people can also be into breath work and yoga and um, mindfulness and conscious sexuality and mm -hmm. the pursuit of eros, you know, these men exist in our culture and in our communities. And I think, you know, you know, knowing that you have this space that you're creating for, for men in mm -hmm. your area is so important because there's people that want it. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I was really happy when you agreed to come on the podcast, because it's true cross pollination. Like we're going to, you know, pollinate each other's networks. And I think our networks are very like-minded. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm excited to see what sort of connections come out of, uh, out of yeah. this podcast episode. So, um, okay. Let's see how we're doing here on our list. Um, you haven't gotten to <laughs> Well, we've, we've, we've indirectly answered some of the things. So, um, yeah, I'm curious about um, why do you think uh, some gay men, I don't want to say all gay men, why do you think some gay men struggle with consent? Why is this an area of struggle for, for our community? Yeah, I think, you know, it's twofold. I think there's a level of awareness that's missing from many gay men. Um, I think for many of us, there was a development gap, right? So you know, I have a 17 year old son and, you know, he's been having girlfriends and, you know, sex relations since he was like 13 years old. Mm -hmm. um, I had my first sexual experience when I was 19 mm. and my first boyfriend when I was 24. And so, you know, that's way past the, the adult age of 18. Yeah. Um, and when you're supposed to know better and our time to get it wrong, to fumble, to make consent mistakes was completely missed. We didn't have that that period of time to make um, yeah, mistakes. Yeah. Um, we also didn't have examples, right? Mm -hmm. This next generation coming up has a lot of examples of, of gay men in, in a lot of different arenas, in business, in fashion, in sexuality. Um, you know, the AIDS epidemic wiped out a whole generation of grandfathers and fathers to, to us, right? And so, 
we've really had to like pave our way in that that um, that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so though this next generation has a lot of examples of what queer and gay affection looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, the other side of it is that there's such a hunger for connection and touch and affection that um, if it's not allowed or if it's not received, right? A lot of times it's taken, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody who's just like starving, they will take, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's just such a need. So I think it's important to to understand your own needs and to find ways to get your needs met, you know, however that is, yeah. in a in a consentful way, so that you're not reaching for people. Um, I also think gay is such a broad term, you know, mm-hmm. gay is like encompassing different cultures, socioeconomic backgrounds, different races, nationalities. Of course. Yeah, um, sure. I think oftentimes we're looking at um, gayness through a gay white male lens. Yeah. Um, and I think that's important to note. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think not all gay men deal with consent issues, um, but you know, it's also something that is a, as part of a dialogue. So, you know, as an example, I was at a, a nightclub not too long ago and um, we were waiting for our Uber and a friend of mine who is a, a porn actor was outside with his, his boyfriend and they were waiting for their car. And this guy came up to him and asked for a cigarette and he said, sure, you know, here's, here's a light. And then the guy just grabbed his, his crotch and, and he said, whoa, I, I didn't say you could touch me. Hmm. And the guy completely went into victim mode. Oh, I'm such a horrible person. Like I'm, I'm such a nasty human. And my friend was like, you're not nasty. You know, there's nothing wrong about you. You just touched me without asking. That's mm-hmm. two different things. Right. Yeah. And so I, I think it's important to say like when you have been touched inappropriately, Hey, that was not asked for you didn't ask if you could touch me right mm-hmm. in an implied or indirect way mm-hmm. um, so that's important too is to start sticking out for yourself in that way yeah yeah it's interesting because you bring up the two the two prongs you know there's the asking for consent for myself and then there's the asking for consent cool from others, right? We need to develop both skill sets and getting really clear on on holding space for another to find their desires and be able to advocate for consent. And then there's the side where we need to be strong enough and rooted enough in ourselves to ask for consent. And I, I do want to take a moment to answer this question because I think it's, it's important. And I see it through a bit of a different lens because I work with shame. I work with trauma, which I know you do as well in, in your work. Um, and and my, my, my path is taking people along from shame to, to authenticity. That's the work that I do. And I think that, you know, a lot of gay men, because we grow up with a lot of shame and a lot of trauma, specifically relational trauma, we, we learn to wear masks. We learn to hide who we are. We dissociate from, from our experience, from our bodies uh, as a way to not have to experience deep, deep and intense emotions that we don't want to experience. We spend a lot of our time in our mind. This is how we, we, we cause um, like fragmentation of our authenticity, right? Is we, we get caught in being um, the egoic versions of ourselves. And I think when we move through authenticity, we have to break through that ego. We have to break through the masks and we have to root back down into our body. And that's where we find the truth 
the desire, the needs, um, the emotions that needed to be tended to when we were young boys and we didn't have anybody to support us. I think that's, that's where we develop good consent is when we do that work of really understanding ourselves and our needs and our desires. And when we can hold space for ourselves to have those needs and desires and emotions and, and experience them, we get better at being able to be present for others in that experience as well. So I think that it's, it's a lesson in empathy, at, le at least for me, that's been the experience is the more empathetic I am with my own experience, the more I can offer that to another person. And and I can feel like when somebody, when I'm, when, when I'm in a sexual encounter and I can feel when somebody's not into it and they're not speaking up, I feel it in my body, but maybe some people don't have that empathy uh, developed enough to be able to, to tune into that. But, um, and that's a big mouthful, I realize, but that's been my experience. So. I, I think, you know, it's, it's um, empathy and it's also permission, right? So when you are, are living in your authenticity and you're speaking it and you're speaking your desires and um, you know, you give permission to the people around you to do the same thing, which is huge, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I also, like, I have definitely been in situations with clients and, and also with just personal partners where I, I feel what you feel, where it's like, they're just not there, mm -hmm. right? And I say, are you with me? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's like, no, I'm, I'm making my grocery list. <laughs> guilty as charged yeah. how can we how can i assist you like can yeah. we take a breath together mm -hmm. move with me push against my body you know let's create resistance and tension i just wrote a piece about um resistance and um and release and there's tons of conversation around polarity and i polarity is often um discussed in terms of like heteronormative um masculine feminine and, you know, I look at it more of like resistance and release, you know, if you're going to push, you want somebody to meet you there. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, in order to push at the same time, there has to be some kind of a release. It's the feeling in the body of letting go. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think being able to speak your desires and speaking up is also a way of permissioning other people to do the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's embodiment, really. Like, we're both probably teaching embodiment. That's one of the biggest aspects of the work that I do is rooting people back down into the body so the healing can take place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I want to invite drugs and alcohol into this conversation because I think it's so important. <laughs> drugs and alcohol, come in. Yeah. I do. And I also want to, I want to note this because Canadian law, I, I understand Canadian law around consent in drugs and alcohol, because when you're under the influence, you actually cannot consent. Um, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter age. It matters of a level of, of intox, being intoxicated. So um, is this, does the same apply in the U S or? Probably not. <laughs> I actually okay. don't know. Um, I actually don't know, but probably not. I mean, there's been so many cases of people who are intoxicated and are taken advantage of, and they still, you know, their, their person they're accusing still gets off. Okay. So it doesn't seem like, you know, even if it is, it's a double standard here. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I think drugs and alcohol, you know, specifically in the gay community are, it's rampant. You know, I don't know anyone who's not using re recreational drugs um, mm -hmm. in some form or another. I also work with a lot of, um, you're also in Los Angeles, by the way. I'm in Los Angeles. <laughs> That's a different story. Um, 
I, I work with a lot of men who are recovering addicts. So they've reco they're recovering from alcohol addiction or mm -hmm. meth addiction mm -hmm. and really, um, you know, don't know what it's like to have sex without that social lubricant. Yeah. Right? That's been their way in of yeah. like calming the social anxiety or performance anxiety. Mm -hmm. And, you know, meth is such a, it's a really dangerous and, and horrid drug. Um, but the, the high and the experience on that, specifically during sex, is so fantastic. You know, and then when you are, take it away and you, all those issues come running back in of like, oh, these are all the shit that was there before, even more so now, compounded. Yeah. And I don't even know how to connect to my body at all. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know how to ask for what I don't even know what I want. Right. They're just really back to like square, square one. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, yeah, drugs and alcohol are a tricky one. I think it's really hard to fully consent when you're inebriated. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's drugs that are, you know, more harmful than others. Um, alcohol, meth. Um, yeah, I, I also, you know, there's, there's moments where I think there are specific drugs that can enhance experiences. I think the danger of drugs is that um, people start depending on them for a good time. Yeah. And that's yeah. where it gets really, really dangerous and tricky. It's like, I can't have sex without mass. I can't have sex without three drinks. I can't have sex without, um, you know, K or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and then it's kind of like, ooh, this is, you might want to look at that now. Um, yeah. I think I got off topic. <laughs> no, like, yeah, no, it's um, you're, you're on topic. I, yeah. I, I had the experience in my twenties. I don't think I had sex once without alcohol in my whole twenties. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. And I drank a lot in my twenties, uh, but um, I had to learn in my thirties and I'm only 36. So it's only been really six years mm -hmm. of relearning how to be intimate and how to show up vulnerably and how to, you know, all, all of it, it's all had to come in and you're right. It all comes flooding in because all that stuff that we, that we repress with substances, it's all just energy being trapped in our body. And when we discontinue use, it all comes flooding yeah, right. forward, right? So we got to deal with it and address it. So you get, you know, a way to create consent if you're if you're going to be doing drugs, you know, mm -hmm. is if you're going to be doing drugs with someone or um, with a partner, you know, discussing prior, right? Mm -hmm. Discussing prior to um, getting high, you know, what your boundaries are and things like that. What maybe what a safe word is. Um, yeah. And I also think that that's super risky. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's just a lot of what ifs and question marks there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I don't have the answers for that one. I think mm -hmm. it's a, I think it's a tricky question. Do I, I don't think it's going to stop. Mm -hmm. going to continue. Yeah. Um, I think it'll always be a way to create a heightened experience, whether it's sex or mm -hmm. social functions or whatever. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a hard conversation to have. Yeah, it is. I think that the, the best solution I can come up for it would be just make checkpoints, you know, um, check constantly checking in with your with your body with yourself, and you know, seeing where you're at. It's like no different than a, a anonymous consent, you're going to an event, there's going to be a five hour window, you're at this event, well, can maybe every 30 minutes you do a check in, 
with yourself and see where you're at because our experience is can constantly change with different energies different experiences with somebody so we we should be checking in regardless even if we're using drugs and alcohol or not check in with with body and mind i think you know it's also important to have like friends to check in with i i'm actually recounting uh an experience i had in my 20s um I actually did not drink a lot, but in this one instance, I got very drunk in New York with a group of friends, and there was one of one of their friends was just all over me, and I really wasn't into it, but I, I didn't have the strength to like say no, mm-hmm. and they pushed me into a cab with him, and I went home with him, and I was so out of my mind, and I remember just being in this bed with him and having this out of body experience. Like, I do not want to be here. And um, I ended up leaving like at three in the morning. And, you know, he was like, please stay. And, you know, these were like some horrible friends, like Mm -hmm. not picking up, they were laughing at me and how, Mm -hmm. um, you know, ridiculous it was that I was like, no, I don't want to go. And they were like, go, go. Like, you know, looking back on that, that was like, a horrible experience of like not having the support of the people I came with mm-hmm. um, and also like being take advantage of someone who I didn't want to be with yeah. um, and really not having the language or the support to say like, I'm, I'm going home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, what comes up for me when you say that is this whole idea around masculinity and how that impacts um our ability or, or uh, desire to want to set boundaries and, and apply consent, because I think there's this notion, especially I find with, with, within that hypersexualized sector of the gay community that we should always want it. We're men, we should always want sex. And there's, again, it's like you said, all your friends were laughing at it and being like, ha ha ha, like, you know, court's going to go and have sex with this guy, blah, blah, blah. But yet it's like, we're not actually rooting into the reality of the matter that we're, we're, we're human beings and take away the conditioning of what it means to be a man that we've all been conditioned by. And we all have desires to not have sex and have sex right and i think there's we got to really really honor that yeah and that, you know yeah that, that it's interesting because that memory came up when you were asking me these questions you know it's like what is consent and like you know just and going to like your next topic which is how is coercion used in sexual context like that mm-hmm. that was a coercive experience yeah. um that you know, I felt a ton of pressure from my friends. I also didn't have like the physical strength just to say no. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I think, you know, coercion is when you're forcing somebody to do something they don't want to do. Yeah. Um, this could also be like in a workplace situation. Um, it could also be in a, in a club at the end of the night when someone has been left by their friends, you know, like, mm-hmm. like me. Yeah. Um, have you seen the movie um, oh, was it Promising Young Woman or Promising Young Female? No, no. It's, it's a very, very good movie and it's creepy. Um, it's about this woman who, anyway, I won't get too much into it, but she basically, she gets all dolled up um, on like a Friday night and she goes out to bars and she pretends to be absolutely hammered. And time and time again, these guys come on to her and she's like, no, no, just leave me here, I'll get a cab. 
And they're like, let me take care of you. I'll take you home. And no, 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 you know, and they take her home and they begin to rape her basically. And she's like, what are you doing? What are you? And they're like, shh. And, and then she just sits up and she's like, no, Jesse, wow. what are you doing? <laughs> right? <laughs> like she's completely coherent. Wow, yeah. You know, and it's, you know, that's also something, you know, when you, when you are intoxicated like that, it does open you up for like predators in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are sadly predatory people in the world. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I want to talk a bit about why people don't um, communicate consent. Um, like you said, you weren't feeling physically strong enough to um, reasons like that. What are other reasons that people can start to become aware of? I want the listeners to really get rooted in that. Like, why am I not asking for consent? Why am I not, you know, telling people what it is that I desire? You know, I think that's like a really personal question. And I Mm -hmm. I think it's an answer that a lot of people don't have. Um, And I think that's probably a bit of the work that you do. And it's a lot of the work that I do is like, you know, what is it inside you that feels like you can't say no, or that your desires don't matter, or that you will not be met, right? Or that someone will laugh at you or, um, and this is not, this is not a gay or queer issue. This is like, this is an issue with all humans. Mm-hmm. Um, I work with a lot of different types of bodies and this is not um, this is not solely attributed to gay and queer men. Yeah. Um, it's hard for people to say what they want because they might get a no. Yeah. And for a lot of people, it's hard to hear no. On the flip side, you might get a yes, which mm-hmm. is, can be equally as scary. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You have, like, like the example I gave with my partner, like, I have this fantasy I want to fulfill and, you know, it's scary. I might, he might say no. And then he said, yes. And now that's also scary. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a big reason. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I want to point out um, how re- a fear of rejection plays into this as well, because I think when we fear rejection on the flip side of that, we might not want to like in your case, you might not want to tell this guy no, because you are afraid of making him feel disappointed or rejecting him. And I know that for me that I, I, I don't like rejecting people because I don't like disappointing people, but I also know the intensity for me of feeling rejection. So on my journey, um, I noticed that the more and more I make peace with my own rejection, being rejected, the less, or the more likely I am to be okay with rejecting others because, uh, and I think those two things play out, right? The more we're, we're able to accept somebody's no, the more we're able to give somebody a no. Yeah. I think you know, there's a, a saying, it's something like, how can I trust your, how can I trust your, how can I trust your yes? If I can't trust your no, something like that. Yeah. Or that, or that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's kind of, it's true, you know, how can I trust your fuck yes if I if you have no fuck no's, right? Exactly. Um, I lost my train of thought. I'm so that's sorry. Okay. That's that's the um, that's the whole thing with people pleasing. That's exactly people pleasing, right? Like if 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 you're a fuck yes all the time, 
that that tells me that you're not in congruence with the with deep deep deeper parts of you there's not one person in this world that's a fuck yes for everything right and usually if they are they're likely living vicariously through other people's experiences by people pleasing um so i, I just think that that's really important to get clear about um <laughs> while making peace with the discomfort of disappointing others it's I so think, key i think you know i used to say yes to everything and you know, it wasn't necessarily about appeasing other people. What I came to was that I, I had this fear of like, if I didn't say yes, I would miss something, right? Mm -hmm. I'd miss an experience. FOMO. Right. I had fear of FOMO. <laughs> so for a full year, I actually had a practice of saying no. Mm -hmm. And the, the question, and I still ask myself this a lot, is, is this for me? Right? Am I going to have sex with this person for me? Or is this for them? Is this you know, and if, if it was for them, if, you know, there was no part of me that was like, yes, this is absolutely for me, I would say no. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it was hard because I, I was like, oh, this is somebody, you know, maybe I could be missing out on something or, um, and what was happening is I was spreading myself really thin too. Mm -hmm. of like, oh yeah, I'll do this coffee with you and I'll meet you. And, and I was ending up being with people for like 30 minutes and being like, I got to go to my next thing. I, you know, and it's still something I, I suffer from. I, something Me I suffer too. from. I, and, you know, what I have come to is like, I'd rather have more meaningful experiences with fewer people. And that means saying no to more people, um, which is hard. Mm -hmm. I hate it. It's <laughs> Yeah, I've had to learn how to say no. I've had to learn the art of saying no. And you just think it's like, it seems so simple. And some for some people, it does come fairly easily to them. But yeah, for me, it doesn't come easy to say no, but I'm getting a lot better at it. So <laughs> um, do you have any tips on how to properly ask for and give consent? You gave, you've given a, quite a few actually throughout it, but does anything else stand out for you? Uh, yeah, I think with all things, like if you can make it into a little bit of a game, mm -hmm. right? Um, asking questions that are, are sexy, you know, mm -hmm. in, a, in a way that feels authentic to you. Because um, sometimes being like, can I kiss you? Or can I touch you? It's mm -hmm. kind of like, it can be a little bit of a mood killer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like if you're not feeling into if somebody wants you to kiss them, then, you know, there's potentially an issue there. Um, yeah. I think that goes back to like being rooted in your own body you know, and, and being aware of your own feelings and also, you know, picking up on people's cues. Um, yeah. I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, but there are ways to ask, you know, like in a more implied way of just, can I touch your face first, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And, you know, I might, you know, if it were you, I might, you know, touch your ear first or your beard mm -hmm. and see how you react to that. Mm -hmm. Or put my hand on your chest or your neck, you know, just here. Mm -hmm. And then I might come in for a kiss, right? Yeah. But yeah. I've already kind of like tested the waters. If you're kind of, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, you know, like, I'm going to back away. Yeah. 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 You make it seem, uh, there's, there's a humor there. And, and that's kind of how we have to play with it too, I think, is, is have some fun with it, make a game out of it. And maybe having even having the conversation beforehand, you know, like, just what, what are you, what are your desires? You know, do you like topping, bottoming, like what, you know, really getting clear about? Um, I think that's, 
you know, that's where like social media offers a really beautiful platform mm-hmm. for consent upfront, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you have the opportunity to say, this is what I'm looking for in this experience. This is what I'm looking for in a relationship. Um, this is who I am. Like, do you want it? Mm-hmm. And that person goes, yes or no. Or they say, yes, but I'm not into that. Yeah. Or yes, I'm, I'm open to doing that, but I don't want to do this. You know, so you kind of know what you're walking into ahead of time. I think, you know, there's a lot of shadow sides to the apps and social media, and it does offer an, a, a really beautiful space and platform to create consent ahead of time. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. hey, I, I don't want to go, I don't want to have sex on this date. I'd like to meet for coffee, or I'd really like to like exchange foot rubs or cuddle. Um, and if you're setting that boundary to really hold it, yeah. not this is cuddle, you know, if you're thinking like, oh, I, this could be a cuddle that could turn into a fuck. Yeah. Name that. Yeah. But don't switch halfway through. It's confusing. Then you've like, you know, <laughs> you've like, um, you've altered your own consent rules. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as a as a demisexual, and I'm also a highly sensitive person, I, I, I use the word assimilation, and mostly energetic assimilation, like I need that before sex. So I don't usually do hookups. Um, I, I need an energetic assimilation, emotional assimilation, my nervous system needs to kind of feel into their nervous system. And, um, and then I get the go ahead from my body. And then I proceed. And this is, it's just, it's fascinating. I think I've always been this way, but I was betraying my body. And I was very ego driven in my sexual pursuits for most of my life. And now I'm really learning how to connect to that part of me. But um, yeah, I like that idea, like these foot rubs and these cuddles and everything. I'm like all about that. Uh, And then gradually moving towards something a little bit more um, sexualized. Yeah. Okay, last question. Um, how can we create a culture of consent in the gay community? Mm. That's a big question, but let's try and tackle it. Yeah, I mean, I've already kind of named this, but I think you know there are clubs and you know spaces that are are doing this. Um, you know, creating their own rules and their own agreements before the container even before you step into the container. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think, you know, it's also important to create a, create the container. Um, you know, when I, when I work with clients and they, they walk through my door, it's like, okay, we're starting now. It's like, actually, no, we started three months ago when you first reached out to me, mm-hmm. like that's when this relationship started mm-hmm. and, you know, our relationship started, you know, I didn't even know you met me in Chiang Mai. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so like we have that connection already. And so just yeah. noticing that containers are created um, much sooner than we give them credit for. Yeah. Um, and so kind of like building that rapport early on can be really important. Mm-hmm. Um, again, knowing your own limits is really important. Being aware of your limits and your boundaries. Um, it also helps you understand the limits and boundaries of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, having the, the language and the lexicon to express your desires is really important. No, I'm not interested in that. Or yeah. you can kiss me, but I prefer you not touch my genitals right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I, I think it's really personal. I'd love to say like, you know, we're going to have like a big kumbaya with the game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Let's host a kumbaya event. No, I, I think like everything else, it starts small and it has a, a, a trickle out effect. You know, it starts mm -hmm. with you. It starts with me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the more people that we touch and the more people that we communicate with, um, again, permissioning people by by simply doing it, by being in action around it, you know, starts to create um, a new behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think self-awareness becomes collective awareness. And I'm, I'm noticing even like in the sexual interactions I've had in the last year where I've been practicing consent and boundaries, I I have guys say to me like, you know, I've I learned so much about myself just by being romantic with you. Like, and they're, they're starting to understand this deeper part of their nature. And then they bring that into their sexual encounters. And it just is, it's a, it's a, it's a, what's the word? Like a snowball effect. Right. And it, yeah, it has yeah. momentum of its own, but I think we need to root into the courage of being authentic and speaking our truth. That's the starting point. So I would say how we create a culture of consent is by being authentic to what we want to consent for in the first place. And then having the courage to speak your truth. Um, that's the, that's a game changer. Yeah. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you get through all the questions? Well, pretty much. Yeah. I think we answered them. Um, yeah, so we'll see how this is received and maybe we'll we'll have you for some sort of speaking event or I don't know, it's not down the road. I see us working together in some capacity, yeah, but um, yeah, well, I just want to say thank you on behalf of the, the Brotherhood and myself and um, that you took the time to come and, and share your wisdom with us. It's greatly appreciated. Yeah, and for people that want to connect with Court, um, you can find him at uh, thebodyvox.com. So it's just T-H-E-B-O-D-Y-V-O-X.com. And his handles on Instagram are CourtVox and at TheBodyVox. So I'm assuming CourtVox is your personal and the body Vox is your, your business. It's honestly the same things. It's just sometimes my court box is it's a bigger account and so it gets flagged by Instagram more often. Oh, fair enough. Body box is my my backup just in case. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, did somebody in the Canadian say body? Say what? Body. 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 Yeah. We have, there's little things. I have a very Canadian accent. Apparently, every time I go to the states, everybody can. I'm Canadian out. I'm outed as a Canadian. Well, I, I work with a lot of Canadians. There's a lot of somatics in Vancouver area yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and in particular Salt Spring Island and also um, Victoria yeah and so yeah I'm very familiar with Canadians yeah <laughs> lovely people I have not met a Canadian I do not like <laughs> oh wow yeah that's cool that's really cool um yeah, and for people, for the listeners, um, as usual, uh, please, if you're lis listening to this on your favorite podcast platform, um, subscribe and uh, leave us a star rating if you enjoyed this podcast and leave us a review because it's always nice to get your reviews. And as you know, we like to read out the reviews at the beginning of the podcast. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to our channel. Make sure you hit the bell um, so you get notified every Thursday when we release our episodes. And leave some comments in the uh, in the section below for Court or I, and we would be happy to um, to answer them or to comment on on what you're um, navigating as far as consent and how this is impacting your life. So again, thank you, Court. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you. I'll see you soon. See you soon.